little patient with me this morning. Uh, uh, I don't know if this message even relates, but last week I talked about the flood, the global flood, and we have a lot of young people, and uh, I want them to always know they can trust what the Bible says. I know that they get a lot from school and from TV and from Discovery Channel and on on it goes, uh, millions and billions of years, and uh, last week we saw that a lot of people try to say it was a local flood, but it was a global flood. So I want to continue on. I got a lot to say, and I want to say it real fast if I could, and uh, just uh, say prayer for me, and uh, I'd appreciate that. The question comes, how big was the ark? Well, the Lord gives the blueprint to Noah in Genesis chapter 6, verse 15, 16. He says this here, Genesis 6, verse 15 and 16. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in, the, uh, in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shall thou set in the side thereof with the lower, second, and third story shalt thou make it. There we see that God gives the instructions how the size of this ark is supposed to be. Dr. Ham says that a cubit is 20.4 inches. In other words, it was 510 feet long, 51 foot tall, and 75 to 80 feet wide. And it had three stories with one door on its side and a circular like window on the top so they can look around from all sides so that they could see what was going on at times. Uh, the ark capacity is amazing. It had a million point five cubic feet. A football field has four hundred and or I'm sorry, has forty five thousand square feet. A football field. You could put twenty football fields in the ark. Isn't that amazing? That's how big it was. Dr. Henry Morris said that uh, it's equal to five hundred and twenty two uh, railroad boxcars. 522 of them. It was built like a long stem rose box, not like a ship. And the reason is all it needed to do was float. And that was the whole purpose of it. The ark had enough capacity to carry 35,000 distinct kinds of animals and only used 28% of its space. That means you could have put all the animals on one floor and still had two floors to go. Uh, that, uh, uh, of course, left them to be able to do other things I'll mention here. Now, a question came, how could Noah's and his three sons build such a huge ark? Well, they might have hired some of the people in the community. Uh, people like money, need money, and uh, perhaps they had some. They might have done that. And also, uh, we should never forget the mental and physical makeup of man at that time was superior than to it is today, to what it is today. Today, a, a couple of men, if they stay at it all the time, uh, they could uh, build a, a house in uh, maybe three months or whatever it might be. Remember that Noah and his sons had at least 80 to 90 years to build this ark, so they had plenty of time. But he also used, I believe, creative tools that were complex, forging metal, 
machines, you remember there's three billion people on the earth. They had built cities, so they were very highly intelligent. Evolution says man is dumb and animalistic. We don't agree with that. Just remember man's intellect was greater back then, and since then it's gone in a downward spiral because of our brain's decay and because of the degeneration of our sin that has taken us down. They were a lot smarter back then. Even before steam energy, there were many energy resources, water wheels. They powered entire factories filled with complex devices. So it shouldn't have been that hard. They were very, very creative. In 1870, in Peoria, Illinois, drilling a well at the depth of 114 feet, they found a coin. It was copper alloy. Uh, it was thick as a quarter, and they realized it had gone through a rolling mill, giving evidence of machine shop work. On one side of the coin was a woman and a child. The other side had domesticated animals and with a horse. On its edges, it had glyphic, a glyphic alphabet. The woman and child were dressed in royalty clothes. Now, where they found this in the rock, they say, was 100,000 to 150,000 years old. Now, that's from the way that they measure. In Casa Mountains, California, the height at 4,300 feet inside a rock, the geologist said that was 500,000 years old, they found an object, and they x-rayed it. It was much like a spark plug. It had a center shaft, hard ceramic material surrounding it with copper rings around everything. They've even found something like batteries in these rocks. In 1944, Mr. Newton Anderson had a large lump of coal. How many of you remember the old coal bins? We used to have to get the coal and throw it in the bins and then put it in our furnace. I remember those days, soot everywhere, huh? But he accidentally dropped a big piece of coal, and inside that coal was a brass-like bell and clapper. Uh, they dated the age of the coal at 250 to 300 million years old. It was taken to a bell convention, examined by experts. No one had ever seen anything like it. They did a nuclear activation analysis test at the University of Oklahoma. They said it's a mixture that didn't match anything that we today do or know about. Isn't that interesting? In Genesis chapter 4, verse 22, and uh, you'll see there, Tubal came, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. They were iron makers and did different things way back then in Genesis. Somebody says, well, where on the earth did Noah build the ark? They said if he built it in the desert, where in the world did he get all the, the wood and everything? Just remember, before the flood, the world, had it was lush. It had a canopy over the earth, and there was vegetation and forest, forestry everywhere. 
And so during the flood, the flood waters destroyed the whole face of the earth and all of its forests. The world in Noah's day was completely destroyed, buried, and obliterated. As a matter of fact, I just read, uh, I think it was Friday, that all the deserts over there have evidence that at one time they were all underwater. And that, that was amazing as I was reading that. Now, another question, how could Noah fit the dinosaurs on the ark? That's always a big question. The Bible didn't say they needed to be fully grown. As a matter of fact, Dr. Ham has shown us the average size of a dinosaur back then was a chicken. Uh, now, they had the big ones, but the average size was that. The larger animals were probably represented by teenage or younger specimens. Prior to the flood, all men and animals were vegetarians. Okay, that's very important. Man and beast got along fairly well until after the flood. And then God said this in Genesis chapter 9, verse 2 and 3. It's interesting. And the fear of you and dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea into your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. And so after the flood, mankind and beast became carnivorous. They began to eat meat at that time. Somebody says, well, where are the dinosaurs then? What happened to them? Well, evolution says that they were the first ones to evolve 235 million years ago. I like Dr. Hans. Were you there? <laughs> but they say that. Long before man evolved, they say. No human being ever lived with the dinosaurs, they say. They say some cataclysmic event killed them all off. Impact of a, of a meteorite or an asteroid. You've heard that many times, I'm sure, on TV. And uh, uh, they say then, because of evolution, dinosaurs uh, evolved into birds. I'd like to see that diet, wouldn't you? Uh, you could do something like that. Now, that's what man said. The Bible says dinosaurs existed around six to 7,000 years ago. God made them on the sixth day with other animals and man, meaning man and dinosaurs did live at the same time. They could, dinosaurs, they could not have died out before people existed. The first time there was death and bloodshed, disease and suffering are the result of Adam's sin. Sin and death are after Adam and Eve, not prior to Adam and Eve. Amen? During the flood, most of the animals, dinosaurs, they died in the flood. And many of their remains became fossils. After the flood, because of sin, judgment, people, flood changing the earth and climate, the weather, the seasons, lack of food, disease, man hunting animals for meat, a lot of the animals became extinct. 
Now, some people, they think because the word dinosaur is not found in our King James Version 1611 Bible, that it means that uh, we don't know, it never says dinosaur in it, so we don't know anything about it. But let me just tell you the truth. It wasn't until 1841, 230 years after the King James Bible was written, the word dinosaur was invented. Now that's amazing. It meant terrible lizard. And the Bible does talk about dragons some 30 times in the Bible. Jeremiah 51, 34 says this, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, hath devoured me, he hath crushed me, he hath made me an empty vessel, he hath swallowed me up like a dragon. Okay? Malachi 1.3. I hated Esau and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons, plural, of the wilderness. Psalm 74, verse 13. Thou dost divide the sea by thy strength. Thou breakest the heads of the dragons, where? In the waters. And then Isaiah 27, 1. In that day the Lord with his sword, great and strong sword, shall punish, who? Leviathan, the piercing serpent. Even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. And so God speaks of them. He mentions Leviathan there. Job 41, verse 14. Who can open the doors of his face? His teeth are terrible round about. Verse 19. Out of his mouth goeth burning lamps and sparks of fire leaping out. Like a breathing dragon, right? Behemoth in Job 40, verse 15. Behold now Behemoth, which I made with thee, he eateth grass as an ox. Lo, now his strength is in his loins, and his force is in the navel of his belly. He moveth his tail like a cedar. Oh, sounds pretty big. The sinews of his stones are wrapped together. His bones are strong pieces of brass. His bones are like bars of iron. He is the chief of the ways of God. He that maketh him can make his sword to approach unto him. Sounds like to me like a dinosaur. Tail like a cedar. Skin like brass. Fire coming out of your mouth. Sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> You know, they found bones of the T-Rex and it had tissue, which means blood. And if it had been millions of years, it would have evaporated or disintegrated. But it's still showing they're a lot younger than what's being said. In Glen Rose, Texas, in bedrock, in the same layer of the bedrock, dinosaur tracks, uh, they found a cat skull a saber tiger, paw prints, a child's tooth, and human footprints. They did exist at the same time. What rising water drove them together. Some people say, well, how did Noah's family care for all the animals? Well, no doubt each person had their chores, 
But more than likely, God moved and gave the animals the ability to hibernate or at least keep them calm. He's the one who sent them there, right? They would remain calm for periods of time. We know they went into the ark two by two, the majority of them, right? And in chapter 8, it seems like they also left two by two, so there was no interaction between male and female at that time. We'd probably be amazed at the devices on the ark that enabled them to storage food, feed and care for the animals, from water to waste removal. Somebody said, well, what about all the water? Genesis chapter 7, verse 11 says this, In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day, were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. And it rained upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Remember, the whole earth was just water on day three. Where did all the water go? Well, it went underground. Evidently, the underground subterranean pools, the fountains of fresh water were released in the flood, broken up by volcanoes and earthquakes and all that power. Then God had it pour down and rain for 40 days and 40 nights. We believe there was a vapor canopy outside the earth there, and it was water. The water's in the heavens. Somebody measured 40 days, 40 nights of torrential downpour. It had to be at least 40 feet thick. <laughs> but it was released to come down with what was below the earth, all this water coming up. Matter of fact, the earth even today is 70% water. So God supernaturally had water come from everywhere at that time. Dr. Ken Ham said this, Scripture indicates God formed the ocean basins, raising land and the mountains up out of the water. The floodwaters return to a safe level so they can't go beyond those safe places there. Uh, the ocean, I just read this week, as a matter of fact, they found the deepest spot they've ever found in the ocean. It was that deep. Genesis 8, 1 through 3 says this here. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark, and God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters returned from off the earth continually and after the end of the 150 days, the waters were abated. In other words, God sent a strong wind for 150 days. Now everything, the land was above the water that's here today, was above it. Is there evidence of the flood? Well, the evidence of the flood teaches opposite of what evolution teaches. Dr. Paul Ackerman said this, a creature, now don't miss this, a creature that dies does not normally become a fossil. In order to do so, it must be buried deeply, quickly, and rapidly in wet sediment 
to seal it off from the atmosphere, bacteria, and scavengers. Otherwise, they would simply rot and decay. There are billions of animals and plants that are found inside rocks. Millions were entire fish, reptiles, elephants, rhinoceroses, and many other kinds are entombed in rock. This calls for immediate burial to fossilize to exclude air oxidation. There are four to five million mammoths and other larger animals in the polar regions, frozen instantly, preserved whole with stomach contents not decomposed. One has a buttercup on his tongue. Another one has a pea pod between his teeth. And for that to happen that quickly, that fast, temperatures required would have to have been 150 below zero to freeze them instantly. But God did that. And we believe he tilted the earth and created the polar caps. As a matter of fact, well, I'll say something about that in just a second. It's been found there are fossil graveyards. Many bones of thousands of animals were forced together in one spot, buried together in sediment. This could not have been done by the process of evolution. These were created by a sudden disaster, a catastrophe like the flood that scrambled together everything. In Nebraska, scientists found 9,000 complete animals, unrotted and intact. It included rhinoceroses, camels, wild boars, exotic animals, all compacted together in the same area. And the evidence points to the fact that the rising floodwaters drove them together to find the highest point they could to try to survive. The fossil record shows no gradually changing, transitioning from one kind into another. In the rocks, and there are no animals or plants that are not whole. They're not half or halves or in between, but fully formed and developed. The fossils also, I'm coming down a stretch. The fossils also prove, though of the same kind, things before the flood were much larger. The amphibians, uh, those that can live in water, live on land. The frog, the sea, the beaver, their heads were 20 inches wide and their bodies 6 to 10 feet long. Shark teeth were a lot longer and larger. Twice as big bears. Elephants, tigers, reptiles, plants, and insects. As a matter of fact, I saw the picture of a cockroach. One foot. A cockroach, one foot long. Think that through. I also saw the picture of a hornless rhinoceros, a man standing beside it. The rhinoceros was 17 feet tall. Amazing. Pigs the size of cattle. Camels 12 feet high. 
birds, huge birds, 11 feet and over, deer antlers. Some of you guys like to go deer. Deer antlers, 12 foot wide, amazing. Human footprints that shows the man weighed 600 pounds and was 12 foot tall. I saw a picture this past week of them digging up somewhere in a foreign land and uh, the man standing there and the body and the head was that big. Great big old man. Amazing. God's word, I believe it, says there was a global flood. Every material thing was buried unless eaten. And most became fossilized. On tops of mountains, they found shells and fish fossils. On top of Mount Everest. Now think that through. How did they get up there? Well, once they were low when the flood was going, then God raised the waters up. You think of in China, 4,000 meters high, they found 70 tons of dinosaurs in a California in a mountain range, and I saw the picture of it. They found a mile up, they found an entire whale from the tail going up this way. And the reason that's important, it went through all the layers of rocks that's supposed to be so old, so old showing that's not true in what evolution says. It was, ama- it was just amazing. Before the flood, the average age was 900. That's amazing. After the flood, a few chapters, the average age is 70. And I believe the reason for that is, before the flood, the canopy, the water vapor that was like a, uh, a thermal blanket protected from the harm of the cosmic and sun radiation. And also some believe because of that canopy that the oxygen was purer back then that allowed man to live longer. They have dug up fossilized trees and they test these and they had 50% more pure oxygen than we're breathing today. And that was before the flood. Dr. Henry Morris, he said this, from the upheaval of the heavens and the canopy collapsing with all its water and waters from below and all the mixing and everything of everything that took place from the flood, he believes that's when God immediately created the polar caps and the ice and believes that one-third of the world was covered by ice at that time. Job chapter 38 verse 4 says this, Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. You weren't there, I was. So, who do you think knows more about when I created everything? Don't you think I would know more than you? That's what he says the foolish, prideful man today. 
you're saying all this stuff. It's not true. The Bible says how I did it. We just need to believe the Bible. Amen. Then he says in Job 38, verse 25, Who hath divided the water course for the overflowing of waters or a way for the lightning of thunder? Of course, it's God. To cause it to rain on the earth where no man is, on the wilderness where there is no man. Verse 29, Out of whose womb came the... Who created the ice? And the hoary frost of heaven, who hath gendered it? The waters are hid as with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. God's the one who caused these things to take place when he poured out his judgment on mankind. Because mankind in his stupidity and foolishness would not believe in what God said they needed to believe in. And man turned to everything else except God. And the same thing is going on today. We're seeing it more than ever before. That man today will do anything not to be accountable or responsible to Almighty God. He's doing this, he's doing that. Pleasure, entertainment, the world, the flesh, all of it. Instead of saying, God, here I am, I believe in you. Man is foolish in doing that. And don't you know that if God was willing to judge and take away three billion people in that flood, don't you think he's going to judge what's going on today. But the next time, as we said last week, he's not going to judge by water. He set that rainbow in the sky just to remind us, no water judgment. However, he's going to judge by fire. And it's going to be a fiery judgment one day. And the only escape that a person has to miss this coming judgment is to acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. Going to church, being baptized, giving money, can't save me. But I heard that this guy named Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this earth, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life. On an old rugged cross, he shed his blood and died for my sin. Mine, not just your, mine. I was the sinner. He died for me, the sinner, and was buried, and three days later, he rose from the grave. He's alive. He says, if you will believe that message, that gospel, he'll wash away all your sins. He'll give you eternal life, and you are guaranteed, you are guaranteed you will never, ever have to go through the wrath of God one day in the future. Have you done that in your life? As sure as God judged this world by a worldwide flood, the truth is you need to trust Christ today. You can believe what his word says. Not what, I, what his word says. There's a lot of evidence that proves there was a global flood. 
But the greatest proof is that in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised. And it's for you and it's for me. And it would be our heart that you would not walk out of here not believing in this gospel of his death, burial, and resurrection. So let's bow our heads. And right there where you are right now, just tell God yourself in your own heart, believe it. I believe it's not just for everybody, it's for me. For me, the sinner, he died. For me, the sinner, he shed his blood for. For me, the sinner, he rose to justify me. I believe who he is and what he has done is enough to save me. Believe, 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 and Christ will save you. Father, we give you all the glory. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for outside evidence, but we knew that it was true already because your word said it's true. But thank you for that. And God, may our people, when they hear, whether it's at school, uh, at college, or on TV, or the world's news, and they're saying all these things about evolution and millions of years and all this. God, may we understand that's not true, but your word is true. And regardless of what society says, we will believe your word because we know you were there at creation. We give you all the glory this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said... We hope you received a blessing from today's service. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpindy.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. For more options to watch, just click On Demand on the website. Until next broadcast, may God bless you is our prayer.